Thanks for downloading the Nordlease.studio podcast. For more details about our work, please go to Nordlease.studio. I'm Liam Flood, the CEO of Nordlease. And today joining us, I have Luis, uh, the CEO of Surplus Map, and Paul, the Chief Ventures Officer at Nordlease. And what we're here to do is discuss the future of digital beyond the hype with a focus on why it's so hard for enterprises to innovate, how can enterprises disrupt themselves, how might you actually leverage the technology that's happening all around us, and in particular, how to leverage uh, the data that's available all around us at the moment. So maybe, Luis, could you start off by just introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Surplus Map? Yeah. Hi, Liam. Uh, thanks for the invite. Thanks, Paul. Uh, nice to meet you both. Yes, as you said, I uh, my name is Luis. I'm the CEO and founder of Surplus Map. We actually started the company as uh, into in, at the end of COVID, so back in 2020. It uh, spawned out actually from an idea from uh, uh, during the uh, amazing accelerator program of Antler, uh, where uh, Hafslund, uh, the uh, utility provider, uh, hydropower utility here in the industrial region, had a had an issue, which was basically that, uh, and then uh, arguably due to climate change, there was too much water in their assets, which meant that they have too much power. And then the question was, how can we monetize this? Uh, Excess power or the surplus energy, and uh, well, basically, once we once we kind of sit down and thought about that problem, what we what we realize is that it's a it's a very complex uh, problem that uh, that has to do pretty much with the location. One of the reasons why this power is is uh, is uh, is there's excess power is because it's not it cannot be transmitted. There's uh, there's kind of a grid constraints. Which means that this power or this electricity is pretty much locked into a location. So that's why we we thought about the best way for you to understand a location was to actually create a map, uh, a map that will reveal all the data and put it in one place. And that's kind of how uh, the idea of Surplus Map started. So, so Hapsland, they're in the hydroelectric business, right? So they're storing this water up in the mountains in Norway and in dams, and then it's going through a hydroelectric plant. And they own those plants, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Norway is uh, it's blessed with uh, a lot of renewable energy, almost all the consumption, all the production and consumption is renewable, internal, uh, 99%. So they own different assets and they do store this energy, but uh, sometimes there's excess steel and uh, and you, what you, what to do with this excess power steel is very expensive. So uh, so there's, there must be a better way. And, uh, and this is not a problem from just Norway. I would say that this is a problem for all renewables, but there's an increased need for flexibility in the grid. Um, and that's kind of the, where the original idea of surplus map started. So you're plotting out where there's excess power in the grid, and that could be from a wind farm, for example, where maybe there's a bit too much wind coming through and it's, it's generating a lot of power that's not being able to be transported and used. Yeah, that's very important information to, to have in order to run any project or to actually take the, make the green transition happen. Um, however, this is not just the only information that you need, and that's not only the only data you need. So you need to have other considerations uh, when you're running this, uh, these projects. I mean, a, a very good example of, of what kind of risks uh, companies that are running or, or are involved in the green transition is the Fossen Wind Park in Northern Norway, uh, uh, where there was an investment of uh, of several billion euros uh, into building a uh, 152 uh, massive uh, wind farms. And then suddenly what happened is that this project was deemed illegal by the Norwegian Supreme Court because he was 
uh, affecting some parking routes of a semi-family living there. So, um, so just this kind of risk and this kind of complexity is not about only about the power, but it's also about something as as complex as herding routes of indigenous communities. All of these are, are part of the equation when you are deciding where to build and uh, what location, what what is the best way to green develop uh, a location. So there seems to be a big crossover here between trying to get different players in the public sector, in the private sector, in different parts of the supply chain, the electric supply chain to work together and effectively communicate. Who are you positioning yourself to? Well, uh, to, to be to be completely honest, what we want to be is this link. So the the, the idea of surplus map, uh, once we uh, we start to look at the problem more in depth, we realize that uh, that it's not just energy companies or industrial developers who are involved in the decision making process, but actually the, the local communities, which are municipalities, NGO, or uh, 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 you know, you name it. And the and the challenge here is that there's really not a, a a one channel or one place where they can all meet and have work as a team and have uh, like productive conversations based on facts. And that's really what we want with Surplus Map. We want to provide them a, uh, uh, we are building, we have built uh, a collaborative uh, tool based on a map where, where all these actors can can work together as a team and basically look at the facts and see how a project can, can be taken to the next step uh, faster and uh, in a more secure way. And, and where's this data that you're putting into the map coming from? Is that being provided by these, uh, like you mentioned about the Sami routes uh, and the herding routes, is that being provided by those people directly or are you getting that data from somewhere else? Yeah, excellent question. So we start always with, with putting together all, or finding out what is the, uh, what is the open source data that is actually official. In Norway, we have the, the great opportunity to have uh, very excellent data that is being created or curated by the uh, by the local authorities. So it's uh, it's official data that you can use. Uh, on on top of that, we also have uh, other types of open source data coming from uh, OpenStreetMap or or even scripts that we, for example, uh, get from uh, get by by going through to creating ourselves. Uh, so that's kind of the the main sources of data. Uh, likewise, we also have the functionality in the product to let our customers upload their own data sets so they can be shared and visualized uh, through Surplusman. So that obviously uh, continues our mission to make uh, a one single platform where everybody can work together as a team. You're using a lot of open source data. I assume anyone can access that. So how does that give you an advantage? You know, someone else can easily get that data. So what, what gives you the edge? Well. Well, I mean, I think there are several things. First of all, it sounds, you see, it sounds like, yeah, you can actually access it, but not really everybody can access it. You know, if you don't have a background in GIS or, or you'll have some sort of uh, advanced knowledge on, or I would say middle knowledge on, on system integration and so on, you'll have a little bit of challenge. It will take you some time to find this data and actually make it actionable. So that's the first thing. We just want to avoid that step. The second part would be that, uh, we we just make it way more way more easier to to uh, to to make decisions on it. So uh, it's a lot about the design how we how we have designed the platform, thinking of on on providing a service to to many different stakeholders with different values. So that's kind of another uh, another value that we have. But one of the things that we are exploring as well is the fact that uh, sometimes you will just not find data. 
right? We run a project in the last year uh, where a customer asks us a question, can you help us to locate where to build or where we can uh, potentially build uh, green hydrogen development in Northern India? One of the first variables that you need to understand when you want to build any uh, energy intensive project is the grid. Where is the grid? So um, we try to find this data in the, online uh, with, the, with the data from the Indian government. And, uh, and then we, it was very difficult. So we decided instead to, to run an experiment uh, where we use uh, machine learning to uh, satellite data to create our own data sets. So basically we created uh, an application that was able to locate with a 98% uh, probability where were the main power stations and the, the largest electric pylons in, uh, in Northern India using machine learning and satellite data. Actually, we won a prize from the European Space Program uh, for that uh, for that project. So, is that something that you're going to be able to take globally? Because are, are pylons in India any different from pylons anywhere else? It's absolutely different from country to country. It was it was just an experiment, but we were able to prove was two things. Uh, number one is that using this approach, we could create maps that uh, thematic maps. That's the technical term that can feed into surplus map uh, to, to, to give a better service to our customer. Second of all is that uh, we are getting ready to take on the, the next way of tech, which is the downstream services of space tech. You know, uh, satellite data is becoming uh, cheaper, more accessible, and uh, we are ready now to, to kind of look for this, uh, this type of approaches to generate our own data sets. Uh, think, of, think of it this way. Um, uh, a small company like surplus map suddenly investing very little resources and being uh, very resourceful, we will be able to have as good data as, uh, as large energy companies uh, that spend uh, millions on that. So that's kind of the, it's very pretty much connected to the revolution that uh, of, of how um, uh, generative AI and AI in general is, is helping or changing the, the business landscape in general. Yeah, and I've read that you had a connection with uh, the European Space Agency. Have they been yeah. helpful? Yeah, that's correct. Obviously, the the European Space Agency is a very interesting uh, uh, organism. It's, uh, first of all, is the only civilian organism that has some influence in space. The rest are military. I think that the ESA in general is, uh, at least when you when you are working with ESA, you feel this, you have this feeling that you, that they are really working for the best of, uh, the, best of, of the whole of the global society. So that's kind of a, a different approach. The second thing is also that they, they are really well-funded and they like to experiment. They like companies uh, that they want to see how can they take their uh, the projects to the next level. We were able to sign an incubation contract just in December uh, last year, uh, where we are going to be incubating our, our approaches and solutions that, such as the ones that I, that I told you about uh, to provide our customers with, with better services uh, that are using satellite data as the main source of primary data. I've read somewhere today that I think 70% of uh, corporations and enterprises are working with, with startups to try and get that innovation going. It seems like uh, the European Space Agency, in this case, are really facilitating that because would Hafslund have gone to the European Space Agency with that idea, do you think? I think that Hafslund could, yeah, could, they could potentially do it. I'm sure they could do it, but I, I think it just requires so much work. You need to be so flexible and so uh, uh, so focused in, in, uh, in such a small point, but it's very difficult for companies to really do that. You know, it's not in their DNA to be flexible. You know, a big company has to be systematic, right? A lot of people talk about uh, Kodak as a failure, right? Uh, yeah. you know, that's the, the big example. 
but uh, but it's very difficult to i mean i i kind of would like to shed a little bit of gray on that example why because i think that well actually kodak was doing so well uh, and it was it was doing a, a great job selling a lot of uh, camera rolls right and that's really difficult for you to have the mandate to actually change the focus to so to create something new I think that there's, uh, and that's kind of why, why I think Nordlis uh, Studio has a great uh, potential for our companies, you know, to provide them the access to a completely new world of opportunities, like uh, like working with European Space Agency on a project, right? So that's what I really liked about your uh, about Nordlis. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to, we're trying to identify problems in companies' supply chain in their, in their processes and trying to find bits of software that we can build or help build and then potentially scale within that that company so yeah we're, we're on the same sort of innovation route in trying to provide a sort of disruptive factor to companies to improve their maybe their competitive advantage depending on how they they're thinking about it or maybe their collaborative advantage if it's enabling them to access their ecosystem a little bit better surplus map had come out of antler there's quite a lot of antler companies that are doing similar supply chain and product ideas are there any ones that, that stand out because you've obviously been working quite closely with them for for some time being part of that and like second cohort just to just to clarify uh, I, I i know them as friends but uh but antler didn't invest on surplus map in the time when we were uh when we were part of the cohort uh, second cohort here in oslo we just basically didn't have the right team to, to work on on the project and we just needed a little bit more time in, uh, and um, it's just just how things work sometimes. But you know, we uh, we remain friends with uh, with all, all the people there. I think surplus map, even if we didn't get investment from answer, we we are a testament on how it's really a, a great place to build ideas and uh, and to build teams. Because uh, I'm still working with one of my uh, fellow cohort uh, members, uh, Almas, who is our CTO, and uh, he's just amazing. You know, so. I know that every time that I talk to someone from what was in Antler, it's a, it's a quality check. It's like a, like a blue dot next to their name in a, in a way. I think that also, we are also part of our ecosystems. And uh, uh, last year, uh, we were part of the cohort of the uh, Equinor Techstars, uh, which was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Uh, spending three months in the Equinor offices in Fornabut, uh, talking to the, the future business development teams and uh, I'm just really taking the company to a completely different level. And just to say also that Techstars in general is such a great environment. Uh, everybody's there to help you and then, uh, and, and you really feel supported as a, as a founder. I never imagined that it was such a great environment for a, for a startup to, to grow. It's like, it's like if you don't have no excuse to not succeed, you know, you have to, you, you have everything given to you by Techstars. I saw that uh, textiles in Sweden uh, are closing down because of maybe because of the funding environment at the moment. How are you finding the funding process? I don't know what textiles is thinking on that regard. I know personally some of the people, Alfredo and Jens, working on that project. They're fantastic human beings, fantastic people. I also had a chance to to be a mentor, a, a textiles mentor in Stockholm in the last cohort with the past teams and. Uh, and it's really sad. There's a lot of a lot of broken broken hearts, and I uh, I'm counting myself as one of those. But I, I think it's a very difficult moment for for some startups, and uh, the funding situation is obviously hard for everybody. And uh, and you just kind of want to just you just kind of have to close your eyes, bite the knife, and just just continue going. I think that 
at the end of the day, if you're building a great company and you are doing the right things, you would get funded uh, after all. Yeah, so I think this comes down to a really strong mission and vision and belief in what you're doing, right? So where's the idea of, of, of Serpta's map? Is it changing? Are you going to stick with the map idea and building data sets layer by layer? Where's the vision of the, the company going? I remember still that when I, when I uh, pictured that Antler, there was two, there was a slide that, you know, there was the, the slide that you always think about. And it was, it was basically uh, a slide that had two words or, or two sentences, a map and a communication platform, right? And that's what surplus map still is. Uh, now, uh, that's basically the principle of it. We want it to be a map where you can communicate, but then you have to really enable technology on, on it. So the way we are thinking is not just to be layer by layer, but actually have different levels of services where we will have a basic service that could be uh, used as a common denominator for, uh, for different actors that want to work in specific projects. And then we will have uh, a set of data products that would be added on to, to this uh, SaaS platform, right? So we can just continue developing our additional projects where we start to, where we start to build a customer base uh, to, to whom we can sell afterwards or upsell afterwards if you want yeah and then and what are those customers finding really difficult is it getting hold of that data and getting hold of process data or is it uh, is there something else that they're that they're trying to explore because well, i can see the point about gathering this data and processing it a certain way to add value to it or do they see that as an immediate value or is this kind of another step that they're starting to see beyond that when you talk to the customers it's unlocking further value and further ideas. There is these two points, right? So one point is um, in order to do any just special analysis and you you know better than me because you're a cartographer, you you would use tools like uh, GIS and uh, ArcGIS or QGIS, you know, to where you can get all this data together and, uh, and, and you know, they're relatively, uh, you know, you need some training to use it, but they are super efficient and super they're great tools. But still, you know, you require, you need to be, you need to have some certain training. You know, you need to spend uh, a couple of weeks or a couple of months to really understand and be able to do uh, your work effectively. So, so that's kind of one, one type of the platform that you, that you will, you will use to do that. And the other platform that you will be using would be Google Maps, right? Which is kind of this amazing tool that, uh, that you can do a lot of things on it. And it's, it's, uh, it's almost like magical in many ways, you know, it gives you such an insight in such a short time, but, uh, but it's not made for doing shit, right? So it has a lot of data you can use it, but it's not perfect for that. So in between there is a, a huge gap and that's the gap that we want to cover. So we want to make a, a, a powerful tool that will provide the, the analysis power that we need, but also the usability. So anyone that knows how to use Google maps can use surplus map to do their analysis and develop green infrastructure projects faster. Yeah, I think what we see is that once that data is available, people start to think about different ways to use it. So one of our clients at the moment, we're, we're providing a, a process optimization tool. And then just as that data is becoming available, they see lots of different opportunities to use that data in different ways and to expose that data to different parts of their organization. So I think there's going to be some real opportunities around that as well, just getting that quality data available within these companies so that they can see exactly what they can do with it. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's a fact. There's a, there's a lot of co-creation that is needed in the green transition. You cannot just uh, take top-down decisions anymore. 
and it's not just going back to the case of the of, uh, of the fossil wind park in northern Norway, but uh, but you, but it's not just Norway. Uh, it's any part of the world really. You cannot just go and tell that you want to build this and that's it. You will have to negotiate with a very empowered society, and then uh, and you better have the best better tools to to use it. And I think that's why uh, Equinor Textors uh, invited us to be part of their of their cohort because they 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 had this very very hard problem to solve, and then. And, and that's what Sopos Map is, uh, is trying to help them to. All right. Well, thanks very much, Luis. And uh, next time we have a guest joining us from the, the medical industry, and, and I'm hoping that they're going to have as much exciting news to tell us about what they're doing um, as you've been able to tell us. Thanks very much. Thank you so much, Julian. Thanks, Paul. Have a good one.